Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to Tigers and 20 Off the Boards a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast hosted by lead writer Christian Fowler, where he brings you the latest interviews with players, top recruits, coaches, and more in both football and basketball across the city of Memphis and around the nation. Here is your host, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Off the Boards. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me now is former Memphis Ford Precious Achiwa, who just recently entered his name into the NBA draft. Precious, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. So first thing, as I mentioned at the top, you just entered the NBA draft, Precious. Uh, what was it like? What was it like, you know, kind of going through the process and, and getting ready for that and then actually announcing that you were going into the draft? Um, for me, it was just uh, it was something I've always, you know, imagined since they playing basketball, you know, growing up. Um, just being able to be all the chance to play on that big stage one day and play against the best. That's something that's always been, you know, inside of me. Just even since high school, because I went to a small high school in New York, and we got to the point, you know, after my freshman year, I felt like the competition level was just not good enough anymore for me, you know. Like, the competition level was not making me better. <laughs> and you know, I told my family, I said, I wanted to go somewhere where I was going to practice every day against good players and play against better competition. So I transferred to a school in New Jersey, and I went from home to New Jersey every day, you know, every morning. And, you know, so that was that was, that was just something about me. I did that for two years, and then after my second year at that school, in our junior year, you know, I I told my family that I said, you know what? I just feel like this level of competition is not making me any better, you know? I just felt like I, I grow I grew the competition at the moment. And I told her I went to play better competition and go to a school that's gonna put me in a position to be able to do that. So that's when I transferred and went to school in Florida in my red academy where I was gonna play against better players every day in practice to play against better competition in terms of like, you know, the schedule and the type of teams and the type of players we played against. And that's just always been my whole thing, you know, being able to play against the best. Was, that was a big thing about me trying to come to Memphis. You know, when everybody committed, you know, I looked at the, the roster and I said, no, I want to play against this player every day in practice. So they were going to push me to my, to my limit and I was going to push them to their limit so we all could get better. And, you know, that's just, that's just a part of me that's always been there, and this is a step in that direction, you know. So I just felt like 
I'm ready for the next level of competition, you know, the better competition, just me being able to, you know, go into that and just me being able to, you know, experience that. So you talk about always wanting to play better competition and against the best competition, like you mentioned, played at Montverde, then came to Memphis, and now you're going to the NBA where you'll literally be playing the best basketball players in the world. How excited are you to get to that point where you do get to play against some of those guys that I'm, I'm sure you've idolized growing up playing basketball? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a shock at first, I feel like. you know, I feel like my first game is uh, I'm nervous, obviously. You know, coming out and just looking around and seeing those guys I've always watched growing up, and then now being on the same stage as them, I know I'm gonna be nervous. You know, I always feel like I always felt like it's good to be nervous because that way you know you're doing something right or you're in the right environment. <laughs> you know, that's always something that I've always, you know, taken as a part of me. So from you know from covering you for the past year and and kind of getting to know you from afar, I don't I don't feel like you're the type of person that really cares where they go. I don't think you would say I want to go to this place or I want to go to this place. Um, but what are you? What do you plan on telling different teams about who you are and and kind of your work ethic and what you expect to do when you get into the NBA? Um, I mean I'm a, I mean I'm, my whole thing about me is just being able to adjust to whatever position I'm being given, you know. I think I, I think I did that at the University of Memphis, you know, I was really successful with that. I believe, you know, I came in and wanted to play a different position in a different style of play, but, you know, the things happen and I had to pick up a different role that I've never really played before. You know, it wasn't my natural position. And just me being able to adapt to a new system, a new style of play quickly and being able to, you know, find success in, Whatever it is, it's just my whole thing. Now. That's why, you know, that's my whole thing. It is NBA thing that, you know, I could always, you know, adjust to whatever they wanted to do. If he's coming in, playing, you know, guarding the best player, you know, pitching out ball screens, you know, rebounding the ball, just doing whatever it takes or whatever, you know, that they need me to do for me to plus to be able to win the game. So you mentioned being versatile and, and playing multiple positions at Memphis this past year. And I know that wasn't necessarily the expectation heading into the season, but how much do you think that helped your stock going into the draft, just being able to show that you can do multiple things and, and play multiple positions in college? No, um, I think it did a lot. Uh, I think it was a it was a really, really good experience for me because I was in a position where I could show what I could do in terms of my versatility, like you said, um, being able to guard multiple positions, being able to play a position that is not my natural position, you know what I mean? And also having success in that position and also showing what I can do, you know, my like what I can actually do in terms of like the position that I've always played, you know, high school and stuff like that. So it's like a combination of me learning something new and also showing what I was able to do. So I thought it was just, it just, you know, helped me um, show everyone how versatile that I am and how, you know, I could adjust to whatever situation it is and find success in it. So as a whole, what was what was this season like for you guys, both both you personally and then the team as a whole? Because uh, obviously the adversity that you guys had to overcome was well documented. 
whether it was James leaving or Lesser going down with an injury or DJ going down with the injury at the end of the season, or for you specifically having to play out of position uh, and having to play multiple positions. So walk me through the season a little bit and just what it was like kind of out there battling against adversity and, and, and at the same time being the youngest team in college basketball. Um, I wouldn't say me playing out of position or playing much position with, uh, with any type of adversity. You know, I just say um, it was something that happened and we all had to adjust it, you know. But obviously a lot of other things happened to us in the same man. Like, like I said, we all had to adjust to it. Um, it wasn't easy, to be honest. It really was not because every day in practice, it was like you weren't sure who was healthy or who was ready to come back and we just kept grinding every day every day you know and given that we like you say we were the most the youngest team in college basketball of the last season it wasn't easy at all had a really young team really inexperienced beautiful guys including myself and it was just it was like we were learning on the fly you know we were learning on the go and the good thing was a lot of us were able to just Incorporate things that the coaches are saying, you know, a lot of us are able to learn quickly and, you know, adapt into our game, bring it into the actual game and execute the way the coaches wanted us to execute. And that's, that just shows how much maturity we had as a team and collectively as a, as a group that we could just take new things, pick them up and implement them into our games and become successful in a way with them. And then when it comes to the Memphis fan base, obviously I don't I don't think there are many college basketball fan bases that are that are as crazy about basketball or love basketball as much as the Memphis basketball fans. It's 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 honestly hard to understand unless you're in the city. So what was it like, you know, interacting with the Memphis fan base all year and and feeling the love from them all year, especially from a guy that they pretty much knew was going to come in and be a draft pick the next year. So they most Memphis fans probably would have guessed you would only been here for one season, but I feel like they still loved you just as much as as anybody else. So what was what was that feeling like for you personally? Um, personally, I didn't. I'm not even gonna lie. Coming in, um, I didn't think I knew the fan base was crazy, but I really did not think it was as crazy as it was. You know. Um, Came in and it was like the first what's it called? We had like a couple matches where fans were allowed to come to, and the gym was packed. And I'm like, you know what? Like this is crazy. You know where where all these people coming from, and the whole method madness thing. And then the first exhibition game, second exhibition game, was pretty much sold out. And then the first game was like packed, sold out. You no, know, man, I was like, yeah, this is crazy, you know, and. It was just amazing playing in front of those fans, and every day they came with it, you know, to the games, and they they were engaged in the games, and they showed a lot of support, even even through all the adversity that we experienced throughout the season. They 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 stayed with us, you know, they were positive, and just showed all the all type of support that we needed as a team. So it was just it was amazing to be honest. So you mentioned earlier living in multiple different places and playing basketball in, di- in multiple different places. What was the culture of Memphis like versus some of the other places that you've lived in and, and obviously played basketball in along the way? Um, I just say, to be honest, with my fans, I've never played in any system or any um, area that had committed fans like Memphis. You know, like I played basketball in New York for a long time growing up. 
there's a lot of things going on in New York. You don't really have a big fan base, except for like professional teams like the Knicks and the and um uh, what's it called the Yankees. Besides that, there's no college team, no whatever has you know big fan base like Messi's has in terms of like chance for the college team basketball, football, and other sports, obviously, but. It was just different. I think it was more about the fans and also just the energy around the city and how everybody's just so in town town without basketball and football and what's going on. I just felt like the sports was able to bring everyone together. That's something that everyone in the city could easily, you know, connect to. And it was just a a way of, you know, people connecting to each other no matter what race, um, um, religion whatsoever, you know, you're up to bring it into sports, especially method sports is just something that everyone in the city was able to connect to and, you know, just talk about. So I think the fans definitely, and the culture, the sports culture around here is just definitely something that is different from every other place that I play basketball at. So I want to discuss a few moments from the season and, and kind of get your feelings about them. First thing is Memphis Madness, because that's really your first big exposure to the fan base as a player. I know you came on visits and stuff like that, but it, it, it's really your first interaction as a Memphis player is Memphis Madness. So what was that moment like, and, and what was that whole night like for you, kind of getting to see the fans and see the performances and, and just seeing a sold-out arena your first time in front of the fan base? Um, I'm going to it was crazy, you know. We came out and the whole place was going crazy, and I'm looking around like, man, you know, my fingers on here from last year. They told me I was I was in the message madness a year before, and obviously it was different because this time around I was actually on the court, you know, compared to last year I was sitting in the stands, and it was just. It was just so different, you know. The whole building was going crazy. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I'm looking around like, it's a lot of people. I didn't know we had this many fans. The whole place was sold out. And I think it was sold out about months before. You know what I mean? Right. So it was, it was like, you know, tickets about two months before the actual date of the message madness. And it was so crazy to me because I really did not realize that he's had that many fans from all over the place, not just in Memphis. And it was really amazing. You know, the whole night went really smooth to me. You know, I think everything went well. The whole performance and stuff like that. Um, but it was, it was good. It was, just a, it was a good experience for me. And then before we get to the end of the season, because we're going to jump around a little bit here, uh, I want to talk about two of the biggest wins of the year, Tennessee and Houston. Uh, obviously on the court after the Houston game, could see your emotions after the game. You were you and the team were all obviously fired up. What was it like winning those two games and, and competing in those atmospheres? Because I know Tennessee was sold out and crazy, and then I know the FedEx Forum was at capacity for the Houston game, and that was also a pretty crazy environment. So what were those those two games like, and especially coming out on the winning side of those two games? Um, this was really two tough games, actually. Uh, Tennessee was because we played at the place. Um Started the game. It was a really sloppy game when we started. You know, a lot of things happened. We night teams were actually scoring the basketball when the game started. And um, things happened, you know, the course, you know, over the course of the game, man. I just felt like, for me personally, I just couldn't get in the flow of, the, of my offensive game. 
you know, I remember going to to the bed, going to the bench, and I'm like, man, like I can't even get the ball to go in the basket. So ever, you know, I felt like I tried everything, the ball just could not go in the basket. And I was like, you know what? Because I like if I can't score and everyone else is scoring, that's fine. No, I'm gonna get all the rebounds, and that was my whole thing for that game. I'm gonna get every single rebound and get every single block shot. You know, just do everything else because obviously I can't focus and let everyone else do because because we have that type of talent. And that was how I did that game against Tennessee. I Tennessee, and I just went for every block, every rebound, and every and everything. And my teammates made made, made the plays. You know, DJ Joe brought the Damian ball in the corner, he shot the game, shot the game, and put it up. And that was pretty much the game right there. And then also when we played Houston, it's pretty much the same thing, you know. I just couldn't find a groove offensively. I just could not put the ball in the basket, I guess. I guess Houston was more like a later game in the season where a lot of teams had scouting, and they, they just kept throwing a lot of bodies at me, you know, like one, double team, and a lot of bodies just being thrown at me to try to wear, you know, wear me out. But I told myself the same thing. I said, you know what? I'm going to just go for every single rebound, every single block shot, play defense, switch out and everything, and just, you know, do whatever it's going to take, you know, all the healthy plays, whatever. And that Houston game, I think it came down to a free throw, two free throws. Um, it was Damien. You know, he was boogie. He got the ball across, kicked it to me. I got fouled with the free throw. I missed the first shot. Make the second one, put us up one. And one of the guys had the ball, and I switched up one head. And the whole time, in my head, I'm like, you know what? This dude is not going to get the shot up. You know, if he's going to make a shot, it's going to be a really, really tough shot. And it's going to be like a crazy shot. So, you know, I got him, whatever, if he shot the ball. And my whole, my whole mind, everything, my body was just so in the moment that. When he shot the ball, I, I literally turned around and I saw Alo smacking the ball out of a Houston player's hand. And I just ran all the way to our best and I just, you know, went crazy. And for me, that was just a big moment because I put a lot of emotion to that game because that was one of the games that beat us in season, man. I was just so passionate about that game that I understood the magnitude of that game that we really needed that. So. And then and one more game I want to highlight real quick is the Tulane game. That was your 20-point, 20 20-rebound 20 game. Uh, I think there's just some games where you simply can't be stopped, and that was that was clearly one of them. It was a tightly contested game, uh, went into overtime on the road. Uh, not necessarily the same competition level as Houston or Tennessee, but Tulane put up a hell of a fight that night. What was that game like, and, and how do you just describe your overall performance in that game? Um, that game, <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was a good game, I think, in terms of like, how we, you know, executed in overtime. Uh, we obviously played sloppy that game, I remember. But for me, it was more like a, it was more like just playing whatever the defense did to me. I understood they didn't really have any guys that could stop me inside, you know. And like just getting all the way to the basket, there was no one in that team that was able to stop me. And I think I was with that. You know, I just kept going inside and just, you know, put up a Pressure around the basket every single time. Find pressure around the basket every single time. And you know, I figured like, yo, you know what? If you if you work one, two, three times, I'm I'm gonna just keep doing that. And I kept doing that the whole night. And went for every single rebound, every single block. And it was it was 
I think it came down to me making two free throws again. I missed both of them and went to overtime. You know, I missed the dunk before overtime and then went to overtime and then that's when everybody just, you know, were like extra, extra locked in each of that game, man. We won. So it was a good game, though, overall. Uh, and then last thing on the season before we get into some of your accolades and awards um, is obviously the disappointing way that it ended because I think there are some players that come into college, especially when they know they're probably going to be a one-and-done, and they're not necessarily worried about team success or, or winning conference championships or going to the tournament. But I think it was different with you, and I think you could really hear that in the speech that uh, the Memphis basketball accounts put up uh, before the tournament got canceled. Uh, what was what was that moment like? How disappointing was it to kind of have that ripped away uh, right before the conference tournament started? Um, man, that moment, um, it, it was really, really, you know, it was really disappointing to me because actually I was in a very, very different zone at that time. And that, that zone started from the, it started after, after the, was it Richard State? Yeah, it, was, it started, no, it was it started after the um, Tulane game, you know, that twenty one twenty game. And after that after that game I came back, I was thinking, I'm like, you know what? I could actually make myself unstoppable. And that's when I tried to put my game to a whole other level. You know, I felt like after that Tulane game I was playing on a very, very different level, you know, than anyone else in the conference. I I just Felt like I elevated my game to a whole other level, where it was almost like I cannot be taken out, taken out of the game. You know, even if I'm not scoring, I'm gonna do something else to complement the team and complement, you know, us in a, a basketball game. And that was where I was at. You know, after the Tulane game, I think that was the last month of basketball. And after the Tulane game, we played Houston, we played South State, and then we played Houston at Houston. And those games was just like my whole everything in my body was just so locked in, and I was in a different zone. And looking forward to this conference tournament, you know, going in before the conference tournament, I was just so locked in. My whole mind was, you know, win this regardless. Like I was so, I was so like bent on winning, you know, winning the team to win the whole conference tournament. That was my whole thing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make sure that we win this conference tournament. That was my whole mindset because I, I guess I was in the business zone. And I was so locked in. And when I, when I got that news, you know, I was saying that the whole thing was being canceled, I was so disappointed because it felt like I, I put a lot of, a lot of, a lot of emotions into it, a lot of, you know, focus into the, you know, that, the, into the conference tournament for it to get canceled like that. And it took about a week and a half, you know, for me to like to, get my mind back into like the everyday group and just, you know, the normal stuff. Cause I remember coming back to Memphis and I was laying in my, you know, I was laying in my bed and I'm just thinking, like, man, like, I can't even do anything right now. I can't even get to the gym. Like, it was just like something was just missing. And I just wanted to play, I just wanted to compete. And that was, that, that really hurt me really bad. You know, it's like that the season got canceled like that. So before it did get canceled, they they also posted the video, obviously, of them telling you 
about the awards you had won and everything. Uh, you know, AAC Player of the Year, AAC Freshman of the Year, First Team All Conference, uh, most double doubles by a freshman, uh, averaged a double double for the season. The list really goes on and on. And I know you're not necessarily someone that's completely concerned with individual awards at all or individual accolades. But how cool was it to be able to celebrate that with your teammates? And then, and then obviously, have you been able to sit back and reflect on on how good of a freshman season you really did have? Um. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Is I didn't really realize how crazy it was until my family, my brother played college basketball. You know, my family's people around, you know, the country that talking about it. I saw stuff on social media, you know, a lot of comparisons and stuff like that. And that's when I was like, you know what? This is something that doesn't happen to us, you know, season like that. And before that, I didn't really put a lot of thought into it. And I really, like, you know, worrying myself about the individual outcomes, like you said. I just, I was just more bent on just getting to the NCAA um, tournament because that's something I've always liked going on, I, and I wanted to play in it. And I just felt like I only had one chance to play in the NCAA tournament, you know. And that was my first time, and I didn't know if I was going to have another time to play in the NCAA tournament, and I just wanted to, you know, do it, you know, why I had the chance to do it, like get there and play. But individual accolades is just, to me at the moment, I first was just, okay, that's cool, like, all right, we got it. What's next, you know? The next is, let's get this going, like, let's win games and let's get to what we said we were going to do when we first got a campus. Like, that, was, that was the biggest thing for me. But the individual accolades actually good, but I didn't really notice how big they were until. Everything kind of calmed down. The whole season got canceled, and we said something talking about that more and more and more. I kind of understood the magnitude of, you know, what they are. And then, as far as your teammates go, I mean, obviously these are guys you're you hang out with every day, you practice with every day, you go to war with. Uh, they're the people that you're with the most, especially as as a college athlete or a pro athlete. That your teammates are people that you're with more than almost anybody. Uh, when they when they found out you were entering the draft, I'm I'm sure they probably knew before before the news was actually released. What was their reaction, and and how excited were they for you to be taking this next step? Um, you know, they already knew that that was that was the step I was going to take. You know, they knew weeks before I actually make make that decision. You know. They knew they waited wait a long time. So, but then they already like told me they understood. You know, I let them know they understood that this, this was the next, you know, step in my journey. And I did, so, you know, I told them, like I said, I told them weeks before I actually made the the, the, the commitment that I was, I was like come back. So they were they were totally fine with it. You know, they always knew good luck and stuff like that. Even my brother. So I mean, we still talk to today. Pretty much all of them used to have, you know, hangouts and stuff and stuff like that. So they they totally understood where I was coming from. So obviously, no one knows what's going to happen with the NBA season or the NBA draft. It could be a virtual draft, like the NFL draft was. Like I said, at this point, no one knows. I'm sure regardless of if you're there at the draft or or at home on a virtual draft, it's not going to change the moment and the impact of that moment for you. I know you can't fully put it into words right now, but how surreal do you think it is going to be to hear your name called on draft night? <laughs> Man, I don't even know how to say it. You know, I don't even know how to explain it. Trust me, I thought about that moment. 
a lot of times. And I've actually thought about um, encouraging myself working up there. You know, if he's going to be an actor writing and draft, I just thought about how I'm going to walk up to the stage, you know, keep my composure and stuff like that. And I was telling my family, like, you know what, like, I hope I don't go up there and just lose it, you know, just start, you know, shedding tears and stuff like that. And he was like, you know, you might. I'm like, no, I hope I don't. Well, it's just, it's, it's, it's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You know? And I'm really looking forward to it, just looking forward to the whole experience of the drive and being able to hear your name called and being looking up the stage. Absolutely. And then last thing I have for you before we wrap up here, uh, obviously been following along on Twitter with you as everyone has watching The Last Dance and noticed that you've taken interest in it as well as many people would expect. Uh, and as someone else, you know, myself, I'm only 22 years old, so I didn't get to watch Michael Jordan play either. Uh, what's What's been your reaction overall and, and what have been some of your favorite moments from The Last Dance so far, four episodes in? Oh, for me, it's just how... For me, it's just how much those guys love basketball. If you had them taught, especially um, his teammates, not just Michael Jordan himself, his teammates, they talked about how much they all have to sacrifice, you know, for team success. Like, I think there's a point where he's like, he's not worried about individual accolades or winning another um, scoring title for the season. He's more like he wants to actually win a ring. You know, that's, that's what they're going to compare. That's when they're going to start comparing to the greats, like Magic and Barry and, you know, the rest of the other guys. But for him, it was more like just team success. And that really hit me hard because a lot of people don't think that way. And so I was like, you know what, for him to say that, then it shows how much of a competitor that he was and how much he was willing to win and sacrifice, you know, for the team. And also you have guys like Scotty, that could have been a superstar on another team, but decided to stay and, you know, win. And then you have guys like Dennis Rodman that just did whatever it took to win, you know. <laughs> I was looking at some stats yesterday from him. He had, like, zero points and, like, 28 rebounds, zero points and, like, 25 rebounds, you know, crazy stats like that. And it just shows how much sacrifice these guys were willing to put on the line to make sure that they won the title. And it was just like a, an overall great documentary and just show up character and stuff like that. Precious, I really appreciate you for joining me, man. Best of luck to you on draft night. I'm sure the entire city of Memphis will be rooting for you. Once again, appreciate it for jumping on the phone with me, man. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tigers in 20 Off the Boards. If you enjoyed this interview, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.